0: Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. In this week's episode, you'll get to meet the new host of the OIS Retina Podcast, Dr. Ferris Ray Hall, who is a partner in Retina Vitreous Associates Medical Group in Los Angeles, and also a partner in Ophthalmology Focused Excite Ventures. Let's listen in.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Dr. Hassan Sadri, board-certified ophthalmologist here in SoCal, Newport Beach. I'm really excited to have Dr. Firas Rahal, a retina specialist, colleague, and a fellow venture capitalist who is also here in SoCal. Firas, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm doing great. I, I feel great to be on the show
0: with you. Thank you for inviting me. I look forward to chatting.
1: Well, I've seen your podcast, Your Natural. Well, I wanted to introduce uh, you to the audience uh, of OIS, a little bit on the anterior segment. And also, Dr. Uh, Rahal is going to have his um, hopefully monthly, if not a little more, podcast with us on the retina side. Um, and we'll in a little bit later on, we'll introduce his first guest. But, you know, today I want to introduce you and sort of your background um, and to, the, to the audience. And I'm excited to have you because... You know, you and I share a lot of things in common. It's, but we have a love for patients and our craft, but also on, on the venture side. Tell the audience a little about um, you know you and your what what made you really uh, interested in on the innovation side and on the, on the retina, and you know just sort of what should they know about you professionally and a little personally, please.
0: Sure, thank you very much again. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I'm uh, by training a retinal surgeon. I, uh, I trained and finished my fellowship back in 1996, so I've been in practice quite some time. I, uh, I started my career in academic medicine at Cornell uh, Medical Center in New York City, uh, where I had done my residency, and I was on the faculty there for the first five or so years of my career, and then came out west to L.A. Uh, and Southern California in private practice. And I'm, I'm currently in my clinical practice with the same group I've been with for uh nearly about 17 years. It's called Retina Vitreous Associates. We're a very large uh, retina-only group of over 10 doctors now. I think we're 12 now. We're obviously busy clinically. We have seven or eight locations, actually over 10 considering satellites that don't belong to us. And we're high volume with clinics and surgery, but we're we're kind of known for clinical trials, which leads into the other parts of your question. We, we've been a big player in clinical trials since even before my time, Dr. David Boyer founded it and has become kind of a legend in clinical trials. And we, those of us who've been here a while have also followed in that path and are very active in that and serve as principal investigators. I think our group has been in essentially all the major posterior segment trials that you would have known about in the 15 to 20 years that I'm aware of it and probably for some time before. And it was that part of my practice or my career that led me somewhat indirectly into the venture world to answer the other part of your question. That came about a little bit uniquely. A, a, a friend of mine, a close personal friend of mine in New York City, and uh, he would refer to himself as a former fellow. He kind of did a, uh, and you know how these work, it's on a, a, su- a pseudo fellowship where after his fellowship, he He felt he wanted some more experience. He spent time in my OR as I was a young attending, and we did cases together. And years later, he and some of his patients who were venture capitalists, or in the financial world at the very least, uh, thought this was a great idea. I can't take credit for the idea, but he flew out to LA and pitched me this in 2013. And uh, we founded the firm Excite Ventures uh, formally in 2014 and made our first investment in I believe, 2016. Uh, I love uh, that aspect of of the business. Uh, Again, to answer part of your question, you know, because you're in this and and you've been doing it actively for some time. The first thing is that uh, the impactful nature to uh, patients is kind of orders of magnitude greater than we can get to in our clinical practice, which is fantastic. Nothing in our business like reattaching a retina and bringing sight back to somebody who clearly had lost it. That's amazing. And it's one individual and it's very meaningful. In venture and in drug development or product development, also in ophthalmology, for me anyway, uh, the the reach that you have is is magnitudes greater in thousands of patients if you can develop a product, uh, a diagnostic, a treatment that is effective and becomes approved, uh, it's inc- extremely gratifying. And um, that's what was originally the turn on. And And on an academic side, because of my academic history and my interest in trials, uh, it was a natural fit to go to that next step and do it on the, on the business side. But it's still very similar in, in terms of
1: developing products and drugs. that's a very thorough rich history i mean that's remarkable how you've done that it's not easy and there's to your point you know it's kind of like there's no pathway you're just kind of following i think your heart right and your mind and i think um your 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 intuition i think that's really that's that's very admirable and it's hard to pull it off too i think because you're super busy so congratulations on that that's wonderful i you know, it's a small world because, you know, I think uh, Dr. Boyer, and, uh, you know, certainly your group is well known and we've, we've actually shared a lot of patients over the years. So it's kind of nice to have that side of it uh, as a sharing bond as well. So let's pivot on this COVID-19 and tell us, you know, everyone's, it's top mind. People are concerned about it. We've got, as we're recording this, we've got COVID-19 and unfortunately we've had some social unrest in many cities in the U.S. There's a lot of turmoil, a lot of uncertainty. How are th- how are things working out for you in your practice and then also your portfolio companies?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, thank you. I, I do know as an aside that we've shared patients with you and other ophthalmologists associated with you. Uh, we, we have kind of long arms and it's fun really to be a retina specialist in a big city. Uh, you end up, meeting and knowing so many different eye professionals, uh, and sometimes those become really great uh, long-term personal relationships. So uh, I've appreciated that about our business model, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, to your question, it, the, the, the COVID pandemic has been obviously tremendously impactful on our clinical uh, presence. I, I know for general ophthalmology, it's been, at least for a couple of months, devastating In retina, it's been impactful, not quite as impactful. We haven't had to close. Uh, I would sort of break it down the following way. In the early phases of it, there was a lot of confusion as to how to approach clinics and approach management of the patients and who would be seen and who wouldn't be seen. And with some fortune, the AAO, the American Society of Retina Specialists, and some other regulatory bodies helped to define, as you know, what uh, what is or was essential and, and what isn't or wasn't. And our injections and our surgical treatments of retinal detachments and some other things all fell under essential medical care. And for good reason, we, we would all agree those are essential treatments. So our our volume dipped uh, in terms of clinic and OR, maybe down for our group as low as around 40% of our usual volume, maybe 40 to 50 and then uh, after the first month or six weeks, it started to creep back up to 60%. And as recently as the last two weeks, we're closing in more on 75 to 80% as a lot of the patients are coming back. And importantly, a lot of guys like you and your colleagues are getting back to being busy. Uh, that's where a lot of our new patients come from. So on the clinical side, uh, it's been a gradual recovery, but it never dipped and went blank uh, like some other medical specialties, and we're very thankful for that, and our our patients have been extremely appreciative. The transition was tough initially for me, man. I mean, figuring out what you touched, when you touched it, was I gloved when I grabbed that? It's all becoming sort of second nature now, but the early ergonomics and logistics of working in and out of the clinic and the OR, and then working in and out of getting into your house with your family and, and back, Uh, seems mundane, but was quite challenging. And now I think we have the rhythm. With regard to the venture side, uh, my partners and I at Excite, we've continued to work on our regular uh, scheduled meetings and interactions. We do most of it by phone and virtual anyway, because they're uh, the two other main guys uh, in the investment committee are in New York. So that's been the same. But as far as the portfolio companies, I would say this, and we've seen this on the clinical trial side in our own practice here in LA, uh, the, the the portfolio companies that are already uh, into clinic, into human trials, and we're early stage investors, as you know, so a lot of ours are preclinical. The ones that are clinical did have a, a pause, let's call it, in clinical trial recruitment just because of the sheer volume loss and the concerns of those clinics about just staying afloat, never mind recruiting uh, trial patients, but that started to pick up again, and uh, none of them seem to have had any mortal or significant wound from it. Just maybe a slowdown in trials, and the preclinical, the preclinical companies, which are the majority for me, uh, haven't had that much of an impact because they'd already had their funding for
1: the current work and they proceeded uh, accordingly. That's a really good uh, series of points you brought up for, for those of you listening. Um, on how to pivot you know you have to be nimble you got to adapt and I think for us you've you demonstrated that both on the clinical side but also on the portfolio side it's interesting we had um, Dr. Link here last time and it was basically the same thing it was like we we're discussing on how to pivot how do you adapt and which companies need more help versus less help and how do you guide the ones that need help in an elegant manner so you don't really step on anyone's toes as you know it could get a little um, it could get a little challenging so thank you for that that's really fascinating and I you know we're going through the same thing you know at visionary where we've got a lot of portfolio a lot of moving parts and it's to your point it's very very uh, interesting times but on the other hand I think that we're all you would probably agree with this on the private side we're a little almost protected whereas in the public investment uh, ecosystem you're a little more exposed so I think there's a lot of Sort of positive things that happen when you're when you're in the public investment uh, realm, if you will, uh, IPO post IPO, versus in the private side. I think there's some pro- inherent protections that go on, especially when markets become uncertain. So, I, I totally agree. We, I, I, as an aside, I was uh, pleasantly
0: surprised that we we had some small transactions in the process. Uh, when COVID happened and we just recently reached back out to some of those folks to see if things had changed for them enough, you know, financially that we needed to restructure, make a different arrangement or, or cancel. And um, to your point, uh, they were ready to go and wanted to continue and, and participate. Uh, I assume because they felt that uh, their, that money had already been um, allotted for the investment and uh, that hadn't changed and they wanted to proceed despite all the kind of chaos that happened in the public markets. It may be that people view the money they've allotted in the private markets and the companies who've received it, at least for a period of time, could still act in the same course that they would have anyway because presumably that, uh, that capital has already been allotted.
1: Yeah and it's and I you just a really good point. I think also people probably think it's a little more stable because it, it's not so much volatility. It's almost yeah. like sequestered away from the public market. So it's fascinating. I mean they don't teach this stuff at med school. <laughs> <laughs> no. Definitely not. I think they teach the antithesis of this level. <laughs> they do. Yeah, it's amazing. If you want to be in venture, you know, you everything they tell you at med school, take that and just throw it out the window. <laughs> like I remember you know you think alone, you know, you operate alone, everything's alone, alone, alone. And when you're, when you're in the team, it's team, it's team. You know, my eight year old says that teamwork makes a dream work. And it's amazing how we were never taught that, but that's just a side. So (laughs) tell me about, so some things you're excited about in the back of the eye because you know, as you are very well aware, and we've looked at a lot of things in the back of the eye, it's such a different culture than front of the eye. Uh, from a standpoint of investments, high returns, but also high risks. Tell me some of the unmet clinical needs that you're excited about that you see coming down. And, you know, what do you what do you want to see happen? And how do you then reconcile those things uh, into an actual, hopefully a somewhat de-risk uh, investment proposition for your investors?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And embedded in that are some very difficult questions. The latter part is part of the skill and the sometimes luck and definitely the challenge in doing what we're doing and what you're doing. You want to try to advise your investors and and allocate their, their capital as best you can. And there's that constant, uh, somewhat stressful uh, risk benefit ratio constantly firing off in your mind and you know what I'm talking about cuz you're doing this and uh, that that's the constant equation that that we're thinking about you know with regard to unmet needs that's that's an easier thing to talk about and then how to approach it becomes more challenging. But the unmet needs are kind of widely known and talked about right now in Retina that you'll hear about all the time. And um, the more general venture groups are really aggressively pursuing these things that that see it uh, more on the larger scale and and don't know, say, some of the smaller items that could be uh, attractive. But on the larger scale... Everyone and their uncle in in biotech who has any knowledge of the existence of ophthalmology has interest in longer duration action for diabetic macular edema and wet AMD and the like. And of course, that's based on the fact that uh, th- these types of large groups, they see market size as what attracts them into a a field. And when they see the blockbusters of Lucentis and Ilea and the billions of dollars that are uh, being spent on these diseases, it becomes a huge opportunity. And that kind of stimulates a lot of activity. And it has. And there's a ton of work interesting and good work being done in uh, lengthening the action of either the current types of drugs or lengthening the duration of efficacy using other paradigms like gene therapy. And these are all ongoing right now. And a lot of people know about them and picking the right horse is a big challenge and would be a several hour discussion, but there are a lot of players there. And for the smaller investor like our group, That's a challenging thing because uh, when you're going to enter a market that already has companies like Regeneron and Genentech and Novartis battling with all their finance and all their lab and all their access, um, if you're going to back a startup, you better be really pretty sure that they've got a good chance because the market is very competitive. On the other hand, there's unmet needs that are lesser markets that have been uh, very successful for some of the smaller groups and may be of less interest to the really large groups. Things like retinitis pigmentosa or even uveitis uh, are of interest, and we've made investments uh, in the past and uh, had an exit in retinitis pigmentosa. Uh, again, a marketplace that may seem less uh, attractive to the really huge VCs, but a definitely, as you know, as an ophthalmologist, a definite unmet need of, of large magnitude on a clinical level. And then finally, kind of the holy grail of unmet need, which meets all of these criteria, which is it's massively needed on a medical side, on a public health side, yet is a massive financial market is, of course, dry AMD. And there's a lot of people looking at drugs and therapeutics, gene therapy, stem cell therapy, Uh, for dry macular degeneration that's kind of the holy grail for uh, an investment hit if you will in the posterior
1: segment right now and there's a lot of horses there's a lot of horses there's a lot of crowd of field but I think um, you know you for those of you listening if you listen very carefully you know it's it just because you can't get intimidated by the big um, companies and their big budgets I think that you know you you mentioned you already had an exit and you you focused. And I think there's there's uh, opportunities um, everywhere. I just think that it's, at the end of the day, we just have to follow what I think is stratify the biggest priorities that we have. That's great. That's really good. Very insightful. How much do you think now, just, just a little layer beyond that, is leadership versus technology? I mean, do you think that it's 50-50? What are your thoughts? Because, you know, what I found is that Gosh, I got to tell you, in some ways, leadership is almost more, um, I don't say more important, but pretty crucial in the success of an entity. Um, and I mean that with the assumption, obviously, that the, the the whatever widget or, you know, mousetrap has been vetted properly, right? this <laughs> the assumption we're talking about. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I'm glad you brought that up. And I... I couldn't agree more with you about the premise and the comments you're making, which is that if I if I can paraphrase, that it's it's hard to overvalue the importance of the management team or the leadership in these startup companies. And I couldn't agree more that, yes, it's hard to say that's more valuable than the asset itself. But I, I think I am hearing what you're saying. And I would, I would say that it probably is. I, I've seen examples of both where uh, I thought the asset was excellent and perhaps poorly managed in some early decision making uh, and it, it was uh, not successful. And on the flip side, we all know of products out there on the market now and perhaps you've been involved in products and I have on the earlier side with investments where maybe the asset was questionable and the leadership and the management team was able to bring it all the way to an exit and a successful commercial launch. I, you know, from a public health standpoint, one could argue the merits and all that. But from an investor standpoint, VC, angel groups, others, strategic partners, your point is very well taken. And the leadership of the company uh, and their decision making particularly with regard to uh, the realistic presentation to investors of timelines, expected timelines for not just exits, uh, we all get a sense for that, but of uh, value creation and uh, a plan for strategic partnership versus a longer term plan for IPO. All these things have to be thought out and carefully strategized uh, without Uh, having blinders on. I think the leadership of the management team have to be flexible and not have hubris about their product and make sure they're listening uh, to the market (laughs) and try to direct their product to a successful uh, launch or exit for its investors. So yes, I I agree uh, completely that that may be the most critical piece in the early phases.
1: Yeah. And, and along that, are there current things that you're looking at? Like they're not in your portfolio yet, but you're looking at, hey, this will be a really good one. Um, are you excited about any technologies uh, being developed, um, de novo on the outside um, by startups that you're impressed with? Oh, absolutely. Yes. There are lots, actually. And you know,
0: from being in this business for a while, there's, there's a, three of us really uh, groups like ours uh, at different sort of amounts and so forth, but that are very specifically focused in the iSpace, yourself at Visionary, ourselves at Excite, and our friends at InFocus, both of which uh, the partners there are good friends of mine. And I think the opportunities uh, keep coming. You know, you're looking at deal flow and we're looking at deal flow, and there's a lot. And to, to be specific, I've seen a, a very interesting and have followed a very interesting gene therapy model for uveitis and potentially for other things that's extremely unique. And they just got funding. We we are not in that company, but I'm still following them and I'm pulling for them because I think it's a brilliant idea and scientifically fascinating and a, a area of need. And, and then I think on the stem cell side, we're starting to see a real... Um, hybridization of, of ideas. It's, it's looking more and more like stem cell therapy, at least in the posterior segment of the eye, doesn't have to be and won't necessarily be uh, doctor implants uh, sheet of stem cells or grouping of stem cells to take over the duties of failed cells. That very simplistic model certainly could still work. but we're finding now that there are companies uh, using the mediators, the health, so to speak, of these young, uh, healthy uh, stem cells to help the health of the local environment of cells that already pre-exist rather than the straight-on replacement model. And uh, there's a couple of companies we're looking at that we haven't invested in yet that are quite early that are looking at that in the posterior segment for some, some of the diseases we spoke about earlier, RP, wet AMD, dry AMD. That I think are fascinating, and they're led by some really great scientists. And I think as those companies mature with their management strategies, they they look very investable. But you know, we're still diligencing on them and following at this point.
1: Yeah, that's the that that's the holy grail, right? Um, all the f- disease states you just mentioned in the back of the eye, and I f- I feel like the the um, like we were saying earlier, the the rewards are certainly there but there's appropriate risks associated with it as well. I also noticed that you you guys invest in a lens gen, which yes. is front of the eye. That was kind of curious. Yeah. So, so are you kind of, um, you know, uh, looking at other stuff like front of the eye glaucoma as well? Absolutely. Or are you just Absolutely. Yeah, We did found
0: ourselves as a back of the eye investment firm. Uh, it's, you know, in fact, when we started this in 2014, some of the feedback from, uh larger investors friends of ours in the in the in the business world uh, were like is the eye really enough of an entity to have an entire you know vc built around it they so to go more narrow would have like blown them out of their seats it turns out there as you know that you can uh, build a vc around the eye there's so many different uh, treatments and diseases and modalities and the public has great interest in in and values sight But yes, to answer your question, we were founded as an ophthalmology-focused VC. It just happens that the two MDs that are principals, myself and Dr. Michael Nissen, are both retina doctors. But uh, we've made investments and continue to work up and make investments in anterior segment products. Glaucoma, in particular, is of interest. Um, And we we did make an investment in a glaucoma uh, diagnostic device. And we've made an investment in an examining device, an ophthalmology examining device. And as you mentioned, LensGen, the accommodating IOL, I, I just love that product. I think it's really going to be a phenomenal product. And I, I do think they're on their way to success. So our our clinical expertise is certainly in the back of the eye. And I'll say this, Isan, you'll, you'll find this too, probably, in your own travels. I have kind of revisited my residency to some extent since 2014 and doing this, I've had to go back and read tons of literature on glaucoma and accommodation and uh, corneal uh, aberrometry <laughs> or whatever you call those things. So I could bring myself up to speed to properly diligence companies in that part of the eye. And it's been a lot of fun.
1: Honestly. Yeah it is it's it's amazing you say that when you talk to my you know friends outside in the venture world and in the general venture world they say you're you're just doing eyes huh <laughs> you know they kind of give you that look <laughs> uh, but they you know it's a big it's a it's a very big but small business it's interesting uh you say that and I that's great to hear you guys are looking at other areas um so with with that said I want to make sure that you know we we'll give you some love on the Oh, yes. a <laughs> podcast coming up. We're excited to have you. And I you know Craig is an amazing uh, persuader. So he's got both of us working. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad to have you on board. And who's your, tell us about your first guest that you're coming up, um, coming up soon. Great, great. Thank you. And yes, I'm happy
0: to be on board. I've seen your um, work and your interviews. In fact, I think at one of the last meetings, Craig had me do some posterior segment interviews. And I think The the meeting just prior to that was AAO, and you had done anterior segment interviews. And I must say, I cheated, and I watched a few of yours and uh, took away some pointers. So thank you for that, even though you didn't know. (laughs) Uh, To answer your question, uh, our first guest is going to be a very close personal friend of mine who also happens to be one of the greatest generational-level innovators in the posterior segment in the eye, somebody that anyone around ophthalmology's name would be known to. Uh, Dr. Mark Humayun at USC, as you know, he's the inventor of a lot of things, but uh, also, you know, notably the second sight product, which uh, really was the first thing to attempt to clinically deal with blindness from RP. That was a multi-year project, maybe multi-decade project of his, since dating back 20 years, is a an amazing engineering clinical accomplishment regardless of the fact that it hasn't quite clinically done some of the things that were hoped. It's an engineering feat. And Mark has done uh, so many things in engineering in the eye uh, for surgery of the eye and devices. He's now getting into stem cell implantation and other things. And he's uniquely talented at bringing his background in engineering to surgical devices and surgical technique and i've been in the or with him we've had fun together uh doing some stem cell experimental cases and i'm looking forward to inviting him on and talking to him and picking his brain a little bit as a great innovator
1: yeah that's certainly you got you're certainly your hands full on that one he's amazing from from what he's accomplished and there's so many others And, and i i you know i i for one I'm going to hit that notification just whenever you're, you got a new one, I'm going to listen to it. Um, but yeah. You know, I, I've just wanted to kind of wrap up and tell everybody that we're excited to have you. I think it'll be, it'll be fun to learn more about what's going on in the back of the eye. And, um, you know, we're, as you're, you know, kind of getting more and more, I would love to do more of these, maybe in a few months and uh, collaborate both, uh, clinically, but also on the venture side as well. So thanks for um, coming on today. Thank
0: you very much. That would be great. I look forward to doing this again with you and collaborating. In fact, I think our our two venture groups are um, working on something together as we speak. Uh, and uh, and uh, we may discuss that the next time you and I. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Thanks for having me, Asan. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Be safe out there. You too. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's launch of the OIS Retina Podcast with our first guest, Dr. Mark Humayun.